Amen. He is a chain breaker. Set you free. Get rid of those pains. Get rid of your bondage. And that all can be possible because he is a risen Lord and Savior. We are at a very unique time in our Christian walk. Uh, we're at a period of 40 days. You know, we had um, Valentine's Day and then we had what some calls Ash Wednesday. And starting on the day after Ash Wednesday begins a 40-day period of preparation. You know, at Easter time, at Christmas time, we have the Advent candle, and we go through several weeks of getting ready for the birth of Christ. Well, we have a five-week period. They call it 40 days. If you take your calendar and you count from Ash Wednesday to the Saturday before Easter, you're going to say, I'm telling you a lie. Because it's more than 40 days. It's 40 days minus the Sundays. You take those off and it's a 40-day period. But for us as believers, this is a time for us to prepare for the resurrection. It gives us these 40 days, these five weeks to prepare ourselves to understand what happened and the significance of what happened that day that Jesus come out of the tomb. If you notice the sign when you come in this morning out front, it said that you're in need of help. Everyone in this world is in need of help. Some are in need of help of a Savior to come and to save their life. And if you're like me and you're already a believer, which I believe most of you are, we are still in need of a help of a risen Lord and Savior to help us fight this battle that we fight every day called the world. It's called our flesh. We are born into a sin nature and it is without help impossible for us to live a life pleasing to God. You can take God's word from the very beginning of Genesis and go all the way through Revelations and see how people fought this, how they were in need of a savior. God's People he put in the garden, Adam and Eve, sinned, and then God had to come and kill an animal to clothe them in flesh. They needed someone to save them because they had been separated from Jesus Christ. And from that moment forward, we are all in need of help. This time gives us time to really look thoughtfully within ourselves and contemplate our need of the Holy Spirit. It gives us some time to set aside, just like Sundays we have declared as a day that we come together, we set it aside for corporate worship. Let's take these five weeks and set them aside to give us time to look inward and to self-examine ourselves only through the help of Holy Spirit. And I believe that if you're anything like me, when we stop just briefly and look inward, we'll see how desperate we are for help. But we can see how privileged we are to have the Holy Spirit with us to help through this. When we look at this, we need to be more than repentant. We need to also be sorrowful but the repentance is the importance, but it's not a shame. Just want to explain that to you as we begin this morning. I want you to take a moment and to think when we look inward 
and we honestly evaluate our lives, we will see just how short we fall. But I stand here today and tell you that there's no reason for shame. Our God is not a God of shame. He wants us to be sorrowful. He wants us to be repentant. What is the big deal with the 40 days? When did this actually start? I can't give you a date. But we see many times in Scripture this exact same thing happening. The Israelites were in Egypt. And they were in need of a Savior to come and to deliver them from their bondage that they could not get out of. They come out of bondage and then they turned on God again and they spent 40 years in the wilderness. I believe giving them opportunity to contemplate what had happened. Bible tells us that that 40 years that all who was a part of rejecting of going on in and taking the promised land would die off and just the young ones, the new ones would go in. They were being prepared for the day of rest. They were being prepared for the day of going into Canaan. Moses spent 40 days on the mountain with the Lord preparing. But what I want us to look at today are the 40 days that Jesus spent in the wilderness wrestling, preparing himself for his earthly ministry. I believe we have this time in our own lives as we make our way in anticipation and looking for Easter and the resurrection to look within ourselves and to prepare ourselves you know it's exciting to receive a Christmas present. But the hope and the anticipation of getting there. That's where we're at right now. The excitement of understanding the day we have set aside to represent that our Lord and Savior rose from the dead. Amen? Can I get it? Are y'all excited that he rose? Amen. He rose and that has changed all for us. And I want us to look today, take your Bibles to Luke chapter 4. And we're going to look at Luke's account of this 40 days of Jesus being in the wilderness. Jesus was being prepared for his earthly ministry. We've got to remember, church, that yes, Jesus was all God, but he was all human as well. When Jesus came to earth, he made the choice, he clothed over his glory, and he chose to take on human flesh to be like one of us. He chose to take on this life. If you would stand with me, please, as we look at Luke chapter 4 and follow along, beginning in verse 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness. For forty days being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days, and when they had ended, he became hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. And he led him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. 
And the devil said to him, I will give you all this domain and its glory, for it has been handed over to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, it shall all be yours. Jesus answered him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And he led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their heads they will bear you up, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every temptation, he left him until an opportune time. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through all of the surrounding districts. Father God, I thank you for your word. Lord, I ask now, Father, that you would remove any distraction. Father, you would allow your ministering angels and Holy Spirit to have freedom to touch lives in here today. And that, Father, through Holy Spirit, each of us will hear from you. Lord, what you have to say for us. And Father God, I just pray everything in the precious, most holy name of your son Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. As we begin looking at this, I mentioned if you'll look over uh, just to your left a little bit at chapter 3, verse 22, we get what was happening just before this. It says, And the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came out of heaven, You are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. Jesus, just prior to the scripture that we're focusing on today, had just been baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist, and the heaven opened up. And a dove ascended from heaven, and the God spoke out of heaven, and he said those words, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Why was God able to say, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased? Well, we're fixing to see. Because Jesus spent immediately after this 40 days in the wilderness wrestling We could say he was wrestling with Satan, but I believe also we need to understand that he was wrestling with the flesh. Satan came to tempt him into three areas, and we're going to be looking at that, but we also understand that when Israel come out of Egypt and they had been delivered, they failed the test. Jesus, on the other hand, went into temptation and he come out a victor, amen. He changed everything. It proved that he was different from the rest of us. What are the three things that we're going to look at? You, you see in your outline there, you got one, two, and three. The first one we're going to look at this morning is wrestling with love. Wrestling with love. Take a look there, uh, back in your Bibles, chapter 4, verse 2. For 40 days being tempted by the devil... And he ate nothing during those days. And when they had ended, he became hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. 
And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Something very interesting when you look at this and in studying this, we see the phrase that Satan used, if you are the Son of God. When we look at how the structure of this sentence is written, we'll understand that Satan was not asking in the direction of doubt. Satan wasn't saying, if you are. Satan knew for a fact that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. So he's basically saying, if you are, since you are, you can do this. The devil never doubted that it was Jesus the devil, however, wanted to make Jesus doubt God. In his humanness, when we think of love, we think of one that takes care of. One that provides for. And we can see all of this through this structure. And we understand, because it tells us there at verse 2, that he became hungry. I don't know about you, but after a few hours... My stomach begins to growl and I become hungry if I haven't eaten. Forty days? Would you become hungry? Yes, I believe we all would become very hungry. And Jesus became hungry. And he begins to wrestle with the idea, does God really love him? Now remember on his human side, follow through with me, if he is hungry, is, does his father really love him? Is he going to provide for his hunger, his physical need? God, I've come out into the wilderness, just like you said, I've been tempted, it's been a long time, I'm hungry. Jesus could have easily escaped the part of waiting for God, turned those stones into bread. He had the power. But not only would he have been going against what he was supposed to be doing, he would have been selfish in using his godly power for a selfish need. If you look in the Bible at what Jesus did for a miracle, he never did a miracle for himself. I believe that's part of what he chose to leave into heaven. Every time he performed a miracle was for the glory of God. So that someone else might come to know God. But Jesus in the wilderness was wrestling with, he was hungry and his father had not supplied him with food. Probably on his own he would have never thought about it. How many of our sins come into life we never think about till Satan says something? Oh Jesus, you're hungry. If you're God, go ahead and show me. Turn these rocks into bread. We would have read that Jesus was full of the Spirit, but he was hungry physically. Do you know what's sad about today? So often that's reversed. How many of us are full physically, but we're lacking and empty on the Spirit? So what do we see out of this was the lust of the flesh. The flesh, what Jesus wanted, turning stone into bread. Jesus using his new supernatural powers for fleshly matters. We learn through scripture that Jesus was tempted in all ways. 
Here is one of those. He was tempted with the lust of the flesh to satisfy a desire that he had. What else did Jesus wrestle with? But he also wrestled with hope. He had a hope. Let's look there at verse 5 at Luke 4. And he led him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, I will give you all this domain and its glory, for it has been handed over to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you worship before me, it shall be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and to serve him only. He was wrestling with hope. Satan said that I will give you this dominion and its glory. When I was younger and I read this as a a child, I was like, yeah, right. It's not his to give. Jesus would be falling for a lie. Well, guess who was the one that had fell for the lie? It was me. At this point in time in history, when this was written... Satan is the ruler of this world. Look at John chapter 12 verse 31 just real quick. It says, Now judgment is upon this world. Now the ruler of the world will be cast out. At one day when Christ returns and the ultimate judgment is finished, the ruler of this world will be cast out, and that is Satan, and he will be put into the eternal damnation and locked away in hell forever. But right now, this world is ruled by Satan. Does that mean he has total control? No. God is the ultimate supreme authority. Just as there is a king over a nation and then there are individual areas that have their rulers that fall under that. But God has allowed Satan to have rule at this time. And he told Jesus, if you will worship me, I will give you all of this. Why was he wrestling with hope? Well, Jesus knew that one day all that was presented before him would be his on the other side of the cross on the other side of the suffering you know Jesus could have hoped well maybe God won't give it to me in his flesh maybe I can usurp the direction that God has set for this to be and I can go ahead today for a moment in time and receive dominion and glory from all that's out there But it would one day end and it would not last forever. There at Luke 4 verse 7 it says, Therefore if you worship before me, it shall be all yours. I want you to notice something that Satan did not say. And he did not mention serve me. Don't you like how Satan will leave out just enough of the truth? What do I mean by that? Jesus knew... That whatever you worship, you will serve. So it wasn't just worshiping him. Satan had the idea that he was trying to get Jesus. He wanted to trick him with his nature and not tell him everything. I believe we need to understand that church. What we worship, we serve. But we also see here that not just was he wrestling with love, the lust of the flesh, but he's wrestling with hope. 
lust of the eyes. Satan showed him everything in a moment of time. All of this before you can be yours. The temptation was for Jesus to go ahead and have everything that was his just out of order. You know, we have to suffer sometimes to get the reward. How many of you have ever been to the gym and you, you work out, you get a little pain before you gain? Is that what we say? You know, maybe in our life, even today too, we gain after we suffer. We go through trials and sometimes we fall and we, we suffer from that, but God is there to pick us up and we repent and we go ahead. Jesus could have. Jesus had the option of choosing glory before the cross and before suffering, but it would have only lasted for a while. Removing the hope and receiving it all now. Remember I mentioned as we began about Christmas. There's presents under the tree. We all hope that we're going to get what we asked for. How quick we could remove that hope by going and opening it now and messing up everything. My mom used to tell me, if you touch it, I'm going to take it back. You ever hear that one? Open it up, I'm going to take it back. Wrestling with hope. But not just wrestling with love and wrestling with hope. But Jesus was also out there wrestling with faith. Take a look back there in God's word at verse 9 of Luke 4. And he led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written... He will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. He was wrestling with the faith. Satan said he will command his angels concerning you to guard you. Here again, now, Satan is tempted Christ in two different ways and both times what did Christ redo? He responded with the word of God. So Satan says I'm going to get a little smart here today. He says I'm going to tempt him one more time but I'm going to use God's word when I tempt him. Don't think God doesn't know this book right here. I mean Satan doesn't know this book. He knows it very well. But just as earlier, he leaves out one little part. And that makes all the difference in the world. Look there again at verse 10. It says, For it is written, He will command His angels concerning you to guard you. Now that is a quote directly from Psalm 91.11. Turn now to 91.11 and let's see what it actually says says he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. God will direct us and he will guide us in all of our ways. A difference of the world and the spiritual world. The fleshly world. They go and they do whatever they want. But in our, all of our ways concerning God he will guide us. Satan likes to change that. He wants to change it and leave out parts of it. 
talking about the Christian walk. We also see here that he was dealing with the lust of pride of life. He took him on the pinnacle, the top of the temple. I see something else in that I just want to bring to your attention today. Where did this take place? In the holy city Jerusalem on the top of the temple. Don't think just because we come in these four walls of a church, Satan can't tip you right where you're sitting. He can get you at any time, wherever you're at, be on your guard. He's always waiting, he's always looking. And he took him up there and he told him, jump off! If you jump off, God will send his angels to protect you. God will rescue you. If Jesus was to get on that pinnacle and he was to jump off, he would be wrestling with the idea of God's faithfulness. Will God do what he says he will do? But not only that, it was the lust of the pride to think that he could be idiotic enough to get on the top of the temple and jump off and expect God to show him favoritism and to save him right then and there. God is faithful to protect us. But we are shameful and tempting God if we deliberately put ourselves in a situation and then beg him to come and to help us. He says there that you're not to put the Lord your God to the test. That happened at other times in scripture as well. God will protect his people from harm. But we can't tempt him by saying... Oh, let me go do something stupid just to see if he's going to show up. Our God is faithful. What God says God will do, I guarantee you God will do. These three temptations that Satan took upon Jesus were not just any random temptation. They were very, very precise in their nature. Satan attacked through this the three basic qualities in a Christian's life. Faith, hope, and love. He wasn't just attacking in any way. Faith, hope, and love. The 40 days that Jesus was in the wilderness, he was being prepared for his earthly ministry because he had to be secure in his faith. With the heavenly father. He had to be secure in his hope. With the heavenly father. With his love of the heavenly father. During these 40 days in the wilderness. He was tempted by Satan. And had to wrestle. With these issues that were presented to him. We have seen that Jesus was tempted. With the lust of the flesh. The lust of the eye. And lust of pride. Let me just break it down real quick for you. Jesus had to wrestle with, did God really love him? Would God give him his dominion and glory without suffering? And would God be faithful to his world? Jesus came and put on flesh so he could become like one of us. He could be tempted in every way and yet not sin so that he could be the ultimate once and all sacrifice 
And just as Jesus today, we are tempted through Satan in the same ways with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the lust of pride. What do we need to be doing these next 40 days, Pastor? You said when you started that we're in this five-week period, these 40 days of looking inward and dealing with ourselves, preparing for the glory of the resurrection. What must we be wrestling with? Does God really love me? Does God really love you? Is God going to provide for you or not? First answer to all these, we're all saying, oh yes, we're believers. But when we really look inside, remember, we're to look inward. Deal with this. We need to understand so that when we get to the resurrection and we understand what it was that Christ did at that resurrection, that we're ready to live our life. We're moving forward. We're growing. We've got to wrestle with this idea of love. Secondly, we've got to wrestle with the idea of hope. Will God provide for me? Will he give me glory on the other side? Will heaven actually be there? Or is it just something we read about? And will God be faithful to us? To his word? Do you truly believe that God will protect you? These are some basic needs of human life. But ours is different in understanding than the rest of the world. But I want you to notice also, look at verse 13. When the devil had finished every temptation, he left him until an opportune time. Satan was tempting. Jesus won. Satan left, but he wasn't gone for good. We're tempted today, and the word tells us to resist the devil and he'll flee. But you're going to have to resist him again and he's going to come back. We'll never be finished with this battle, this side of heaven. One theologian wrote it this way. Jesus came out of the wilderness a victor, but Satan did not give up. He watched for other opportunities to tempt the Savior away from the Father's will. All of these temptations was to get Jesus away from the Father's will. I want to encourage you to take serious the opportunity that we have before us in these next few days leading up to Easter and truly wrestle. Don't just flippantly think about it, but wrestle within yourself what you truly believe on the inside, beyond here, but on the inside of your heart of who you are and wrestle those very questions. We must keep our focus on Christ and our need for him. There's a gentleman named Andrew Bonner. He was a minister in, a, in Scotland in the 19th century. And he said, let us be watchful after the victory as before the battle. Just because we've made it through the battle doesn't mean Satan's not right around the corner looking back. We're going to be taking these next five weeks and looking at what it means 
and anticipating the resurrection of Jesus Christ and how that changed everything. We're going to look at our need for help. Because each one of us sitting in this room are on one side or the other of needing help. And I want us to be ready that when we come here on Easter Sunday, it's not just another Easter Sunday. But it'll be a day that we are ready and anticipating, celebrating the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Many take this time, uh, what some call Lent, or whatever words you might want to come up. Lent talks about the lengthening of days or springtime coming. But I want us to take these five weeks and to look inward and to focus on ourselves. Some take it as penance and they go with fasting. You've heard of that. Different ones do that. We're very big with that in Louisiana. I don't know if any of you know. Every Friday, if you go to any buffet anywhere, I think, in the state of Louisiana, you're going to find one thing on the buffet and it's fish. Because... Some lint with no food, some say fish or chicken. It's indelved, it's uh, intertwined into our culture. But what we need to understand is we need to look within. That's what's important. That's what I'm encouraging you to do is to look within. And as we build on this and anticipate, we've got to understand until we fully understand the depth and the gravity of our need, the resurrection at the tomb will mean nothing or very little. Christ changed everything. And that's what we're going to be focused on. So I encourage you to be here every week because we're going to build on this. And we're going to build and we're going to get the excitement and the anticipation. And when we come here on Easter, it will be a true time of celebration. And you will not want to miss it. If you come here each week and you just listen to the message and you do nothing with it, you can come here and be happy because it's Easter. But I promise you're going to miss out on the celebration that the rest of us are going to experience because we've taken time. Not just a day, 40 days, five weeks of looking within and understanding our need and how Jesus is the only one who can fulfill that. And then we can celebrate that he fulfilled it and that he's a living Lord and Savior. May you bow your heads.